Welcome to Dragon Talk. <laughs> Very excited for here. This, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm Greg Tito, and that clapping over there was not by Shelley Mazenoble, but she's here. Uh, who was it by? It was by Puppy. Oh, Pupper D. Little man. He's, a, he's clapping it back. He's so excited. He loves Dragon Talk so much. It's one of his favorite pastimes is to listen to our beautiful voices. It is beloved by dogs all around the world. Dogs <laughs> love Dragon Talk and they love D&D. And they love our book, Welcome to Dragon Talk, inspiring conversations about Dungeons and Dragons and the people who love to play it. I agree. And actually, Puppy was kind of like the third author of that book because he sat with me for every keyboard click that there was. He kind of came up with that uh, subtitle. He was like, oh, this is conversation. Oh, and we're like, wow, that's a great idea, Puppy. Good job, Whoppers. And you know, <laughs> he's, you know, I'm going to try to bring him into the studio when we record the audio version. Yeah, that's right. Wouldn't that be fun? I don't know if I can do anything creative without Puppy lying here next to me. He's always with me. He lifts you up just like uh, I do, like all of our podcast guests do. It's true. It's just a constant circle of lifting up. We it's have been had, exciting. Yeah. Honestly, we just had, have had so much fun promoting this book so far on our world podcast tour. That's true. We spoke to at least one person who's not a U.S. citizen. It's true. It's, it's officially global. Yeah. Uh, lots of good ones coming up. Can I'm just going to, I'm just going to, we'll promote them when they're live, but I, I just want to give very special shout outs to these people who were gracious enough to invite us to be on their podcast, Dungeon Master Book Club, uh, RPG Bot. Good stuff. Um, role Play Chat. You. Snyder's Return. My God, we've been busy. So busy. Um, and a super fun one that we did earlier this week, writing about dragons and bleep. <laughs> the bleep is silent. The S word. It's the S word. Which it's Shelly. My, it's my S word. Writing about dragons and Shelly. <laughs> they had a whole podcast about Actually, you. Actually, that is basically what I write about. Yeah. Yeah. Dragons and Shelly. I love right. it. And the Shellfire Club. It is... <laughs> It's been super fun talking to uh, and giving back to that podcast community. And uh, it is always great to hear how people we inspired other folks to start up their own podcasts and talk about their, you know, uh, stories uh, around this game. It's been been really great. Yeah. And it's just it's just nice to meet other people out there in the community. They're just they've been lovely hosts. And it's kind of fun to be a guest on a podcast. I hope people say the same thing about our podcast. Yeah. It's a little different, right? We have to uh, be the uh, in the spotlight. It's a little hard. Yeah. But, it's, but I like it. But I like it. But I like it. So any of you out there, obviously we, we shout out a few of the ones we've done already. And we've got a couple more booked. But we'd love oh, to we do. hear from you uh, out there if you have a way for us to get the word out about both this podcast as well or, and the book that we are promoting around this podcast and this lovely hobby. We are open. You can uh, uh, talk to us on Twitter. I'm at Greg Tito there. 
Um, and my DMs are open. So come on and let me know if you got something up in your idea head. Idea head. That's a real thing. Your idea head. Excellent. All right. Well, we have a very exciting guest for us today. We are speaking to an amazing cosplayer as well as D&D and uh, video game aficionado, Jahara Jade. Yeah. And uh, she's uh, a wonderful person. Can't wait to, to share all of the creative things that she has been working on as well as her impending nuptial, nuptials. Which, as we know, it is hard to produce such uh, a wonderful, fun-loving party. Yes, it is. For your friends and family. So that's exciting. Uh, some life moments happening with her, as well as uh, her first podcast uh, around playing Dungeons & Dragons will be uh, debuting soon. So follow her and listen to all of that fun stuff in our interview. In the meantime, we've got Dan Dillon coming on with a segment for us to talk about some of your favorite topics out there, the monsters in your life. Hmm, <laughs> fun. We shall meet some new ones right about now. Let's welcome Dan Dillon to another segment of Meet Your Monsters. Hey, Dan, Yay, hey. Dan Dillon! Hello, hello. Thanks Yay. so much for having me back again. I love talking about monsters. You do. We are going to talk Good. about someone's very favorite monsters today because it's spooky season. Oh, yes. And uh, the D&D uh, world, we sometimes call it Strahd season. <laughs> so we're going to talk about vampires. Very Yay. fitting. There are so... I, I love uh, our... Uh, that there's so much folklore and stories around... Uh, these creatures, but they have been codified in Dungeons and Dragons for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, they have, and the the folklore is wildly diverse. The the real world folklore on on vampires and ours, um, they kind of crystallized from uh, many different sources, and a lot of it filtered through popular culture and what you know we here in, in the Western world tend to think of when we think vampire. And a lot of that comes from novels, particularly Bram Stoker's and and movies and all of that good stuff. And then filtered through how they've been used in Dungeons and Dragons in the past. So uh, they are they are terrifying creatures to be sure. Um, you know, Beasties you say vampire, your blood. yeah, exactly. Everybody kind of knows what you mean when you say vampire. It's a, it's an undead creature, something that was alive, died, and then kind of returned to life in a, a twisted sort of mockery kind of way. And they stalk and feed on the the blood of the living around them. And uh, there's different takes on them. Sometimes they can be beautiful and uh, perfect predators. Other times they're monstrous and and you know. You, you can have a lot of different fun with them, but the, the premise is always the same. They're a once living person that now feeds on the life of, of other people. Yeah, I think they're disturbing because they're so human-like in how yeah. they are portrayed sometimes. Obviously, they can be more bestial. Uh, but the but I think the real uh, way that D&D uh, has popularized vampires, of course, through the original I-7 Ravenloft adventure was them being, uh, you know, having wants and needs that are very similar to uh, human storytellers uh, and, and protagonists or antagonists. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's sort of where their villainy lies, right? Their monstrousness is they do have wants and needs, but those wants and needs are very dark and twisted and and sort of corrupted from what 
most people would would want. Um, so when, when a vampire becomes a vampire, those things that they crave get kind of flipped for them. So a vampire who loves something that love might turn to obsession and, and possessiveness. Uh, friendship turns bitter and jealous, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. And they tend to see people that exemplify the things that they crave as symbols and objects to, to possess and have and collect. And they tend not to form real meaningful relationships. It's, it's very, uh, very damaging. They are, they are <laughs> monsters in, in pretty much every sense of the word in, in this gen, this sort of presentation. And they kind of exist alone. Uh, yeah, they? they, they kind of set themselves apart, right? When, when you have that kind of mindset, uh, you become this sort of top of a predatory pyramid. You're the you're the apex predator, and everything else is is possessions or food. So uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty lonely existence. No matter how much they might try to lie to themselves and and sort of present otherwise. But they can also have uh, you know teammates, buddies, vampire spawn that they've created sure. to help minions. Them out. They love minions. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. then wouldn't so, that imply that they are also somebody's minion? Uh they may have been at one point. Yeah. Uh so when it, when a vampire uh kills a person, feeds on them, drains their life through their blood and and that person is, you know, dead and buried, that person rises again uh as a vampire spawn, a sort of lesser form of vampire that's beholden to the one that created them. So that is that's one way to get a vampire, and then if that spawn, which does the bidding of its of its uh, its creator, if it ever drinks the blood of a full vampire, it itself is elevated and becomes a free willed full vampire. How do you become a full vampire? Hmm. Well, so the the way I just outlined is one, but you then but that's you have to ask problem. where did where did they oh. come from, right? Right, so like I how did chicken and the in egg our, here, Dan? Yeah, so if we take Strahd <laughs> as the example, Strahd became a vampire not through being attacked by a creature, uh, but by making a pact with a uh, a wicked power of evil. And oh, for a, a very, very selfish and destructive and betraying um, want and desire that he had. And in consummating that, he became a vampire. Not good. Not good. Very not good. But good for storytelling. So mm. uh, vampires make really excellent. Not, I mean, they're they're not necessarily the kind of one you just want to throw into a campaign, but they can be really good for like long term bad guys, right? Yeah, it's it's really odd for a vampire to just sort of pop up with <laughs> with no greater connection to whatever's going on. Like if you roll one up as a random encounter, that's a, that's a little bit of a head scratcher. What's going on here? Um, but they're great story anchors and. Um, well, I, I can use an example from one of one of my campaigns that I played in. The the dungeon master used vampires to great effect, where every vampire in his world was part of a lineage that traced back to a singular vampire who was created through some means, sort of like I described with Strahd. So uh, one of them, for example, betrayed an oath and let enemies into the the castle uh, of his family. And his family, you know, basically ended up helping overthrow his family that ruled this nation. And because he betrayed and killed his family, he became a vampire 
uh, as as punishment for for breaking that sacred oath. Um, and so then all of the vampires that are descended from this guy, they they behave and act in a certain way that kind of feeds into the reason they were created. And all of the different vampires in this world traced back to a singular one that was cursed in some way. And they all operated a little differently based on the, the nature of their curse. It was very cool. It's a, a fun, cool. easy sort of flavor sprinkle you can uh, you can toss onto your vampires to to make them really uh, anchor to your world in your campaign flavor sprinkle i like it mm-hmm. is that something you would recommend for dungeon masters if they're going to use vampires is to not necessarily create something as 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 all-consuming uh for for all vampire kind uh like that but just you know to use them as uh world building and or you know a long-term antagonist Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, they're a pretty high challenge uh, creature to begin with, so you're not going to be throwing second-level characters up against the vampire, hopefully, or at least not in the thought that they will actually try to fight it to the death, because that uh, is going to be predictably uh, anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but using them as uh, as sort of, uh, yeah, as, as someone who can sort of recur, especially if it's someone that they don't realize is a vampire at first, because they can be very good at blending in as long as they're careful to avoid things like mirrors and uh, and bright lights, since they cast neither reflection nor shadow. Uh, so if you know what you're looking for, they can be spotted. But uh, if they're clever, they can avoid such things. Oh, uh, so yeah. you could have, uh, say, a patron of, of your adventurers who turns out to be a vampire pulling the strings uh, and ultimately the villain of the campaign, which, you know, you can reveal later. That, that could be fun. I like the idea of having an NPC as a vampire and mm-hmm. that the, the party thinks is their ally. Mm-hmm. And I just love dropping little nuggets of like all of the lore with the vampire, like they can't come into a residence unless they're invited and the sunlight and the running water and all that, that like, like subtle nods, not like super obvious. Like there's a stream and the vampire and your NPC is like, Oh, can someone carry me over? No. Or uh, so, yeah. What if, <laughs> what if you have this, things. Uh, yeah. What if you have this, this uh, vampire NPC who maybe the PCs don't know is a vampire, but the, the country or, you know, the barony or whatever that they rule or oversee. What if it's renowned for its bridges? There's, you know, bridges over every stream, over every chasm. You know, you, know, oh. you never, you never get stuck on the wrong side of a, of a river when the, you know, the rains come and its banks swell. There's always a sturdy bridge to cross. Uh, and you're never far from one. That could be just a little hint that this vampire wants it and its minions to be able to get wherever it wants to go and there is no hiding. So those mm. bridges are all big and sturdy. You can't just cut a rope or or chop down a, a post and, and be oh, safe. Fuck that. Yeah. Okay. And they're never around a single source of light. They must be in very even mm-hmm. lighting. And Surrounded they always, like, candles, and right? they always yeah. go away the at elegance. night. <laughs> it's like, dude, we're, could you just want to like hang out at my house tonight? And they're like, no, no, I got to go. I gotta go. Oh, it's the other way around. During the day, they don't want to hang yeah. out. Well, if they yeah, have to go home, don't they have to sleep in their coffin? During the day. During the day. Oh, during yeah. the day. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are so, they are very quickly destroyed busy. by sunlight. So. I'm really busy. I can't hang yeah. out today. <laughs> what are you doing? Like at around eleven. Like that. Yeah. Oh. Golf oh. sounds fun, but sorry, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, but just invite them over for dinner and you know, mm-hmm. go from there. Um after Sunday. Well, could a vampire be able to could they be like a a magic using vampire? Like, oh yeah, could they absolutely. use? Could they 
I'm trying to get around the whole, now I'm a vampire and I'm trying to mm-hmm. trick people. So I'm trying to get around the whole reflection thing. Could I cast like minor illusion every time I pass a mirror and see my reflection? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, you know, the, the iconic D&D vampire Strahd is himself a powerful wizard. So, yeah, absolutely they can be. And in fact, in the Monster Manual, there are uh, variants in a sidebar for a wizard who is, uh, for uh, sorry, for a vampire who is a spellcaster or a um, or a great warrior. So you can kind of tweak them a little bit that way and change their spell selection and give them some uh, some some tricks to help their subtlety and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and while, and then with Shelly putting herself in the role of vampire immediately. I know. That's also something that many player characters have as their fantasy of wanting to turn into vampires. Uh, yeah, how would myself you, included. Yeah, how would you, how would you <laughs> do that? Have you done that in uh, a campaign? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I have. Um, I've wow. done that with uh, as a DM and and as a player. Uh, actually, we made that very, very easy for you in uh, in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft because there is a one of the lineages in there is the Dampier, uh, which is sort of a half vampire, and we give you you know kind of you're free to decide what that means. Um, you know, were you someone who was bitten but survived vampire attack, but was changed by it and took on some of that? Are you someone who was maybe one of your parents was a vampire or both? Something like, you know, and, and some strange thing is happening there where you were, you know, uh, born partially alive. Um, What's up, Blade? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, the Dampier lineage supports a lot of different stories and backgrounds and reasons for why you you are how you are and and these capabilities you have and they give you a a, a nice player friendly taste of that vampiric power set and storytelling ability without trying to get into the um uh, the difficult sort of take the rules way into your own hands and hope for the best of say letting a player play a monster stat block which that can get wonky (laughs) yeah for sure and I like that the way lineages is presented in Van Richten's that it can happen mm-hmm. mid-campaign as well. Like it yeah, doesn't need absolutely, to be yeah. um, something that you start with. It can happen throughout the storytelling of, oh yeah, I want to get turned. Can you please turn me? Yeah, <laughs> so that's that's something that maybe your, uh, your vampire villain, maybe villain, maybe patron, who knows, could offer as a reward or an enticement to an adventurer to, uh, you know, perhaps you can offer them eternal life in exchange for, oh, just doing me a favor every now and then. And then that that player character could become a dump here. Uh, Maybe someone falls in an early encounter with the vampire after their, uh, the the villain is revealed. And uh, instead of having that character just die and leave play and the the player has to make a new one or deal with all of the, the, the hoops that can come with trying to secure a resurrection that character rises again, but not as a full-fledged vampire. And uh, that that opens up just a ton of cool storytelling potential because, you know, are they their own person still? Are they beholden or tied to the will of the vampire that maybe inadvertently created them? Did the vampire do it on purpose, knowing that they now have a pawn that they can activate when they need? Yeah. Well, lots of fun potential with those. That is super fun. I did that when I had a player death. Uh Oh, nice. One time, and I was like, well, I can offer you this. And the player was like, yep, I'm doing it. And I was like, oh, okay. That was, I thought we were going to have some more deliberation uh, there. But no, they were immediately interested in being, you know, turned and then uh, hopefully trying to pull a fast one on the person who turned them. 
Yeah, super cool. Uh, the the devil's bargain angle is always always interesting. Like maybe super this fun. doesn't have to be the end. What do you think? Yeah. So part of the fun of 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 playing with uh, vampires in this is uh, interacting with all these tropes. Um, mm-hmm. But what what are some ways that where people can surprise players and um, you know, use vampires in, in in interesting ways. We've talked about them being patrons and stuff like that. But what are, what are some ways where where they're not necessarily, um, you know, the the folklorish way in which vampires are used? Mm, you mean just sort of like taking them out of the normal, you know, count in the castle trope and doing something different with them? Or yeah, interesting ways to use them in in battles or well, uh, both. Anything? Yeah. Uh, okay, so one thing that that vampires excel at is uh, escaping. So even against mm. a party that has the capabilities to destroy them, vampires have so many ways to get away. They can turn into mist and flow through tiny holes. They can turn into a Not bat fair. and just fly. Yeah. <laughs> Not fair. They, yeah. They can uh, <laughs> cling to walls and just scuttle up them like a spider. Uh, they can summon minions to defend them, uh, swarms of bats and uh, packs of wolves. So you're never really fighting just a vampire. You're fighting a vampire and everything it can bring with it. And so if a vampire is going to attack, maybe it waits a round or two, summons a bunch of wolves and sends them in first. And then, you know, slips in as a cloud of fog and uh, attacks while the party is occupied with uh, with these, these uh, sudden sudden vicious beasts. Um, they can also charm uh, mm. anyone, really, uh, any humanoid. So they can uh, sort of smother the will of a person and uh, make them their friend for the time being. Uh, hey, and, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an, that's an interesting way to create a complication where one of the party is temporarily the vampire's best friend. Now, that oh, doesn't I... mean that they now hate their former comrades. They're certainly not going to try and kill them. But they're going to want to, they don't want their oldest friends hurting their new best friend, right? So they're going to do what they can to try and get in the way. Stop that. Hey, everybody needs to calm down. There's just been a big misunderstanding, right? <laughs> or uh, or maybe the vampire isn't the, the party's ally or patron, but has been manipulating or using one of them by charming that, that ally and uh, misdirecting the party that way. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, of course, like that. that way you can have the vampire influencing even during the day. Yes. How would so for the for that um, influencing way you would want to get mm-hmm. player buy-in uh, for that type of thing before you kind of do that, right? Yeah. If if you're going to be doing more than the well, the vampire charmed you in battle, so now oh, plot twist, you don't want to attack it, right? And you have to kind of get in the way when your your friends want to attack it. That is more, um, th- that's definitely something to talk about and with your players, but it's also kind of a staple of, of fantasy role-playing that, you know, mind control can happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you know that that's not okay with your players, then either rethink using a vampire um, or consider giving them some different ability in that place or just not using that directly on the PCs. Um, right. What? If they're okay with that power existing and just don't want it done on them, then that's easy. Then you can just turn it on, you know, other non-player characters, and and that can still showcase the scary power of the vampire to uh, turn its enemies into its allies. But as always, it's important to have that dialogue. Uh, you don't want to necessarily give away things you're going to be doing as a DM, but it's important uh, in those session zeros to be like, okay, who's, who's okay with this type of thing? And yeah, you know, some, some players would love that. They're like, oh, that's the, the kind of fantasy I want is to, to be able to interact with a vampire who can do that and 
Um, you know, yeah, and and like you said, you don't have to give it away. Uh, it's it's a common enough trope in fantasy stories, and especially in in several of the monsters that we we showcase in D anD D, like you know our our friends the Mind Flayer. Uh, mind control is a thing that happens in in these stories, and so that can be just kind of a blanket check in, like, hey, mind control, yes, no, someone else, not me, fine. Where where do you sit on that? And yeah. then just make sure to respect everyone's boundaries when you're there. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Awesome. Is there a way to tell if somebody is under the command of a vampire or charmed by a vampire? Uh, generally, that's going to be down to now behaving. In a lot of cases, especially if there's a battle brewing, it's going to be pretty obvious where someone who was a moment ago on your side ready to fight this <laughs> vampire is now saying, hey, hang on. Maybe we should talk this out. Everybody put down your weapons. Like that's... <laughs> As a DM, I'm confident saying no ability check required. That's an instant red flag. Something's up. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, given that this can be done on someone who maybe you don't know as well or could have been done on someone for a long enough time that it's not an obvious breach of their normal character, then that's where you could get into things like maybe it would require some uh, wisdom insight checks to uh, note uh, ticks or off behaviors about this person. Maybe they react every time the vampire is mentioned or, or, you know, every time the vampire enters the room, the NPC sort of straightens up a little bit, like their favorite person just came in, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you can start, you, you can give some hints about that. Like, Oh, there's, there's something really going on between these two characters. You're not really sure what this guy seems to really care about this, this, uh, the, what this other person thinks. Um, and then, you know, if there's some sort of power disparity, like that person is a King, or uh, or other ruler, oh, and they're showing this deference to this this noble, suave though they may be. That could that could be uh, a hint that something very uh, very sinister is afoot. Spooky. Okay, one last question. Sure. What is your best vampire voice? Oh, geez. I mean, uh, that's the scary thing, right? They can be anybody. They could be uh, they could be the priest at your temple. They could be the hobo, uh, you know, <laughs> begging for begging for coins outside the tavern. Uh, they could be the suave noble. Uh, you could always go with the 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 old standard Bella Lugosi <laughs> to your 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 bad Romanian accent. Uh, you know, just make sure that everybody you're playing with is is okay with that. Um, you don't want to you know inadvertently uh, offend someone by doing some just hacked attempt at an accent. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm hearing the count from Sesame street. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a way to go with it too. Yeah. What if it's someone who just <laughs> likes to count a lot? Is that a it good tell? <laughs> that's a good tell. <laughs> there was a classic D and D. Uh, it was an adventure that came with an audio CD that you mm. played along with it called night of the vampire. And you meet this noble lord, and he has just this very stereotypical, you know, welcome to my home, you know, very <laughs> countish sort of yes. voice. <laughs> Plot twist, spoilers for, you know, a 90s thing. He's not a vampire. <laughs> he was a good guy yeah. all along. He, was, he, yeah, <laughs> he he's, just happened just, to have an uh, accent. You know, he's just a noble running his castle trying to, trying to throw a heck of a party. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's a good way to yeah. throw him off, too. Yeah, I always think of Martin Landau in uh, in Ed Wood. I think where he's playing Bella Lugosi. And he's like, and you have to be Hungarian. You, you, you must be Hungarian <laughs> yeah. and double jointed. <laughs> yep, <laughs> absolutely. 
Play it up. Do what you can. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, I hope people uh, are revisiting uh, either Curse of Strahd or One Shot. Uh, Death House is always a, a very favored one shot that you can do uh, in the month of October during spooky season. And so hopefully we gave you all some fun ways to either incorporate that or uh, incorporate it in, the, in your home game. Uh, some, some Maybe fun building your stuff. own vampiric domain of dread. Yes. Which you, which, in which there are uh, one two, three, four, many things that you count throughout the entire... Uh-oh. Uh, so I many Right. Look in a mirror right now. Zoom is Awesome. Well, Dan, uh, how can people uh, follow uh, along you on social media and perhaps ask you yeah, some sure. vampire uh, questions? Yeah, best place to find me is on Twitter at Dan underscore Dylan underscore one. Let's talk vampires. Uh, yes. Maybe you can turn me into a vampire, Dan. I, I would go. I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. We'll do a vampire one shot. Everybody's vampires. Oops, all vampires. <laughs> Oops. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Can we? And then we have to... Uh, just... Everybody plays vampire spawn and you're all conspiring to try and become full vampires. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we drink lots of red. we all have the same red. master? Maybe. Maybe different. Maybe you're all working for rival vampires, but you have to work together for some reason and you all have your own yeah, agenda. Yeah, because none of us want to be Spawn anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or we, want to, we don't want to be minions. Yeah. As long as we do this while drinking very red, juicy wine, I'm all down. Oh, Fantastic. I like the kind that really like, makes our teeth turn red, our lips turn red. <laughs> uh, I love it. Thanks so much, Dan. No problem. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks for turning us in the band. Mr. Dan Dillon is one of my favorite peeps in the world and he keeps dropping amazing tidbits of information around the monsters uh, that he may have worked on or is just really fond of. So that was really great. Yep. I... I love talking to Dan. I love hearing how his little brain works and great voices as well. He's, he's got a big brain in my mind. It's not a little brain. You he's know, got, I meant it in like the cute sense. That's cute little brain. He's cute little brain. I yeah. think he's got a storm giant sized brain. Probably. Yep. Yep. Or a beholder sized brain. What's bigger? I think beholders are bigger. I think they're supposed to be like, you know, 10, 20 feet across, and it's all brain in my mind. Are you sure it's all brain? Because a giant floating body doesn't indicate that's all filled with brain in there. It could be, you know, feathers and helium for all we know. It could be. Could be filled with like lore from 1980s sitcoms or something. (laughs) That's, it's more likely that that's the case, honestly. Yeah, now Beholders are even cooler than I once thought they were. They've got so much sitcom energy going on in them. Uh, and I love sitcoms, so how can, you, how can that be wrong? If it's wrong, don't want to be right. <laughs> but you know who is right is Jahara Jade, and I can't wait to welcome her to Dragon Talk, so let's do it. Let's do it. Everyone, let's welcome Jahara Jade to Dragon Talk. Yay! Hi. It's so good to be here. It's good to have you here. 
We're really excited to talk about all of the fun stuff you have been doing, including cosplay. I see all Mm -hmm. of the wonderful artifacts of cosplay around you here. Of course, our listeners can't see it, but so you have to describe every single item in detail. (laughs) Oh, we would be here for so long if I did that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Greg has one of the best backgrounds, but until you. Now I, the lighting is beautiful. Like just looking at... These different, as Greg said, artifacts behind you. I'm Thank sorry. I wish you. everyone could see it. But how cool! <laughs> how cool is this? We can just tell them that it's a lot of it's a lot of weapons. It's a yes. lot of weapons. It's a lot of weapons. <laughs> but but weapons that are cast aglow in a really beautiful, like purpley pink kind of light. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. definitely, if we cast a tech magic, you would definitely feel some in this room right now. For <laughs> yes, sure. I'm, I am definitely feeling it. <laughs> They're all magic weapons. They are all <laughs> at least plus one or more. <laughs> Is That's this, awesome. So you have um, children, right? Yes, I do. I have a daughter and then I have two stepdaughters as well. So, I mean, is this a room that they are allowed to go into? <laughs> so this room, funny enough, doesn't have a door. So they are allowed to come in here. My older daughters, are they're in their teens. So like they're not going to touch anything. But my younger one, she just doesn't touch anything. She's actually not overly amused by the majority of the things in this room. Except for some of like the smaller like good smile figures. But like we've had like some face-to-face like please don't touch mommy's good smile figures. (laughs) 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 And then she does have her own. She has actually all of the Kirby good smile ones. So I'm like, these are yours. Yeah. And these these are are mine. (laughs) Okay. But I do. Boundaries. In that like computer, that like PC tower, I have like some some dolls. You're just like, is that... It's not a functioning PC. I just have like three extra PC towers. Because oh, like those look like dollhouses. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because there's dolls in them. That and they sense. have dolls inside okay, <laughs> with like that's, lights and oh, stuff. Adorable. That's such a great idea because I have an old case. You can't really see it down here. And I was like, what am I going to do with this old case? I'm like, oh, I can use it as a as a case for, for miniatures and on display. That's it's genius. fun. Put light in there. Like put like a background. It's really fun. I mean, Second it's a really use. expensive case for it. But like if you're not going to use it anyway, you might as well. Why not? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, here's a question. Do you make a lot of this stuff on your own? Is that part of your your fandom here is, is, is making these things? So as far as the props, um, that's more my fiance's game. A lot of it's made out of like EVA foam and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like we did like a Witcher cosplay and he made all of the armor for that, which was oh. funny because that was like his first armor build. He was like, I'm going to build that. And I was like, sure you are. And then he <laughs> built it. And I was like... Okay, I guess I'm going to wear it and take pictures in it. And it was fantastic. But a lot of the weapons I have, I collect from um, various like actual builders because I like to actually have them. Like a few of these would not get little uh, green tags of OKs at cons because they are real. (laughs) So they're replicas, but they're sharp. Um, This big site, though, she's made of like foam and everything. And I did take that one to a con. It was an adventure in and of itself, though, because like, the the space you need to turn around while yes. holding a scythe that is, I believe it's over six feet tall and Looks about like three to four feet long in terms of the blade. I have to like tell people, I'm like, I'm turning, I'm turning. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> like, please get out of well- the way. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's true with a lot of cosplay. I used to remember seeing like, you know, the pyramid heads and all of the things with lots of spikes on them. And we're like, Oosh, how do they just get crowd in? You can't. It's very hard. <laughs> Yeah, normally you just stand there for people to take pictures. You're like, okay, cool, thank you. (laughs) 
That's amazing. That's awesome. So you mentioned your fiance. You're getting married soon. Is that right? Yeah. I am. Next week. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Or when this actually goes live, I guess it'll be this week. So wow. the 22nd. Yay. So. We're in the future and everything went well. It was great. <laughs> uh, All the pictures from your wedding were amazing. You looked the fantastic. The food was so good. Everybody had a great time. <laughs> I'm really glad. I'm really glad that we can tell all of that. <laughs> I've been a little bit nervous. <laughs> yes. Uh, so what? What's the? Uh, is there like a theme for the wedding? Are you? Did you do? Is it just like straight up like wedding gown, or are you doing any? Are you cosplaying as a bride? What do you do? What do you cosplay? Oh, as the bride? Do? No, I don't know. <laughs> So, um, I wouldn't say there's necessarily a theme, but I guess it wasn't, isn't a traditional wedding. We're having our wedding, like, in our house. Like, I ordered some, like, farm tables to, like, come sit in our house. And, like, oh, love it. my wedding dress was actually purchased by crowdfunding from my stream over on Twitch. So... No way. Yeah, we made it a goal, and they bought it in one stream, actually. Oh, that's it's amazing. amazing. I cried. There's clips of it. <laughs> And That's it's, so it's a huge, like long sleeve, like high collared, like red ball gown. Did you say so, red? Red ball red. gown? Oh, mm-hmm. lovely. So yeah, it's very like queen of the fake court kind of thing. And I mm-hmm. told my friends, I was like, you can dress up however you want. Like, this is my house. Like, it's my wedding. We waited a long time to do this. So I'm like, if you want to wear wings or elf ears or that's fine. I'll explain to my parents. <laughs> like, and I have yeah. like a, I have a crown and everything, so I'm gonna be like a, a queen slash bride, queen bride, and everyone else just gets to dress how they want. And we have just there's mostly uh, I don't want to say like mostly anime OSTs for like the um <laughs> for the music and like gaming stuff. <laughs> I'm like I got a little embarrassed, but I was like it's fine, it's fine. Oh, <laughs> you're in a, a you're in a safe space here. <laughs> Yeah, right. So I'm excited. It's mostly just uh, we're going to hang out at the house, have some food and some drinks. My friend is the one who's marrying us. And then we'll continue having some food and some drinks while everyone is dressed up nicely. (laughs) Um, That sounds amazing. I um, would. My husband also works at Wizards. That's where we met. And we we were really trying to like incorporate him into the wedding because really he wasn't represented. It could have just been me marrying myself. Like there was no real. (laughs) No, like is Bart even coming to this so we uh the cake we ended up working with a really wonderful cake artist and it was a dragon this big red dragon like bursting out of this three-layer cake and oh my god he had so much fun with it the art like he actually went above and beyond and he created these boulders that were like cascading down the cake and like the tail is coming out of the back it's like everything else in this wedding is like so wedding like just mm-hmm. picture perfect gorgeous and then like oh this big dragon cake and my mom was like what the f is this? <laughs> what i didn't approve this and we we're like nope you didn't but bart really we needed bart to feel like but you paid was, for it anyway thank you you mom. paid for it and it's gonna be delicious and every you know what everybody loved that cake so it there you go. Absolutely amazing. You gotta absolutely. represent. It's your it's your special day. So it should feel like you want it. It should feel like you, you and your fiance. We're really excited for it. It's gonna be a good time. And we're gonna be streaming it to my communities since they helped basically pay for my entire outfit. So oh that my way God. they can see it too. That's cute. Yeah. Just like the uh, ceremony part. They won't like watch us just like mingle and party. But like. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's amazing. Well, good luck with all of that. Thank you. That's great because, you know, I I never thought of this before, but as you're describing it, like, to a certain extent, going to a wedding is a little bit cosplay. Like, everybody gets dressed up in a very specific theme, whether it's, like, the dresses or, or things like that. So, like, why not make that whole pomp and circumstance uh, so much about, you know, the the people who are involved rather than, you know, the, what, the what's in wedding, wedding journals and whatnot, right? Like just, you know, you're, you're, you're already putting on a costume. You're already doing things, you're renting stuff and getting things from all over. So why not just make it uh, yourself? I'd love that. For sure. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times people think when you really get down to the nitty gritty of like traditional wedding stuff, it's more for the guests than it is for like, uh, the bride and the groom. So it's mm-hmm. like, hey, I mean, if you're going to be the one paying for it, like, do what you want to do. Have fun. And luckily, both of our parents were married at courthouses. So they were like, yeah, we don't care. Do whatever y'all want to do. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> they were like, you've basically been married because you've been together for seven years. They're like, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll finally have a party or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, In my wedding, I was cosplaying as a practicing Catholic. It was great. <laughs> we were all pretending deep down. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> I can't even picture this, Greg. But I'll, yeah, it's it was it was pretty big. It was little a, baby it, Greg. It, it was crazy. Um, but I love that, and it's gonna be, and it was already great. Well, as we determined, it was fantastic already. Yes, everyone had a great time. Um, but yeah, you are starting up some some DMD campaigns pretty soon. Uh, with uh, so yeah, tell us about that. Yes, uh, I've just been so obsessed with DMD lately. Um, it's something that I came into really, really slowly um, from like the cosplay side, actually. So rather than the the listening side or actually playing campaigns, it was more like I just really enjoyed creating characters for it and then I would get people being like is it okay if I use this character for my campaign can we use this or like can I give this character a backstory and I was like yeah for sure and like let me make another one and like let's try this and I would like post and be like do you think this character what class would you think this character would be like give Mm. them a backstory for me oh that's cool it's really fun it's really fun so like I put on like a whole outfit and then I'm like all right give this character a class and a level and a backstory and we'll I'll pick like the best one and we'll work through it like I do that on my twitter all the time it's so much fun And it's funny because, like, a lot of people will assign similar ones. Like, there was one character where, like, everybody was, like, rogue, 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 rogue. And, like, I don't think about what I'm trying to look like. But I was like, I guess this looks like a rogue. (laughs) (laughs) What what did it look like? I'm just picturing, like, the Hamburglar from McDonald's. (laughs) 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 Why do they think I'm a rogue? I don't know. (laughs) I I have a feeling. I have a feeling. It's funny because she kind of just looked like... It was like big curly hair. She had elf ears and just a big smile and like a corset and like a regular like maiden dress. But people were just like, she works at a tavern, but she has mm-hmm. a dark past. And she definitely, oh, like people were saying she was basically hiding daggers under the dress is what they were mm. saying. I like it. I can see it. Yes. It was really fun. And I'm like, I love how like open to like imagination that everybody in this community is. Like it's mm-hmm. absolutely so much fun. And so I started listening to different D&D podcasts and stuff. And then I did a couple one shots with a friend of mine for um, Black Fay Day, which is like some of, some of a pseudo holiday online where like Black women and Black people dress up as like Fay because they're not as common until recent years. And we did some one shots for that. And I was like, this is 
a blast. I will admit that I was a bit of a murder hobo in the first campaign. I didn't <laughs> know what else to do. Right. <laughs> they were just like, what do you do? And I was like, I uh, shoot my arrow at them. She's like, are you going to try and talk to them? I'm like, no. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. And I'm no. going to take their stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think that's actually kind of common for uh, like new players because the role playing part can be a little intimidating. And like, mm-hmm. do you want to talk to them? Like, I don't want to talk to this imaginary person. Right. <laughs> or it's like, you get, I, I get a little shy when I, if I have to talk to somebody in the game because I don't, I just don't want to also mess it up for the rest of, of the party. So I think that's, I can see that being a common thing that, well, I guess I'll just, Hit it because <laughs> <laughs> right. I know how to like, roll dice and see what happens, but right, yeah. I think it's also like I came from RPGs and like JRPGs, so I'm just like, Is it an enemy? Yeah, okay, well, I'm gonna <laughs> well, attack obviously. them. It's like, Well, there's never an option just to like reason with them, so I'm like, I'm gonna attack them, obviously, or else they're gonna attack me, right? No, once, once the battle music think- starts playing, you gotta <laughs> get right into it, right? I'm like, You said initiative, right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. But I recently approached a friend of mine who did the one shot DM and I asked her if she wanted to do a podcast with me and a few other friends um, with like just starting like a whole campaign. And she is totally open to it. And we're like working on it. But we have to wait till next month because everything that's happening. I did mm-hmm. and the wedding and everything. But I'm really excited because I have her and a couple other of my friends. Um, who have done a little bit of a D&D here and there. We're all pretty new to it, except for the person I asked to DM for us. Okay. Um, and we are all Black women. So I thought that would be a really interesting take. And I honestly just, I need an excuse to start a campaign and I'm a workaholic. So I was like, I need to turn this into something I do for work so that I can <laughs> do this all the time. Yeah. I, I hear that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I must be productive in some way. So I'll turn my fun into, pro- I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> Kind of what Twitch streaming is all about to a certain extent. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I want to do this anyway, so I guess we'll just record it. Let's go. (laughs) So this is going to be a podcast or are you going to live stream it? It's going to be a podcast and it will be just um, audio only uh, just because all of us are actually streamers and uh, cosplayers and sometimes just need a break from the visuals and the cameras. So it's just an opportunity for us to just sit down and run a campaign. And I'm still pretty new to it. So people that are listening will probably experience times where you'll hear me asking a lot of questions like, well, what do I roll and how do I do this? But in listening to a few of the D&D podcasts that I listened to, I got a lot of really encouraged because there are quite a few where people don't really know what to do yet. And I had always assumed that if I wanted to play like a campaign like more seriously, that I needed to know the rules like pretty airtight. So it was nice to listen to campaigns where people were like, okay, cool. Can, I want to do this. How How do I do that? Like, can yes. I do that? Or like, okay, well, what? which dice do I roll? Okay, cool. Which one is that? Right? <laughs> like, yes. The D10 <laughs> and the D12 still, right? <laughs> still vex me every time. Like, oh, in the heat of battle. I don't know. Right. And I always kind of assumed that for people that would be annoying, but like in listening to it, like no. I learned how to play D&D from listening to those podcasts and like working with people. And also the fact that you can still have a lot of fun while asking those questions yes. and the person that I DM'd with before she's really really um encouraging and really holds your hand and is amazing at like world building so I was like please do this for me and she was like happy to <laughs> that's great. yeah and I you're you're doing the lord's work here by having a <laughs> podcast with new players it really is such it, it's such a great learning tool and you're yes you're there's going to be rules that come up that people listen to and be like oh I never knew that rule 
so glad that that was explained. But you'll also put people at ease who think they can't jump into D&D unless, like you, like they they know every single rule. And it's showing that you can still have fun playing it. You can jump right in and just ask as it comes up. And that's kind of like the approach that I try to teach people how to play is like, I'm not going to, we're not going to explain any rules until they come up in the game. Like you'll just, just start, just start playing and then we'll just guide you in what you do. But that's going to be really, really helpful. I think for a lot of people to see and hear or to hear new people learning how to play the game. I'm really glad. Yeah, I feel because I, I had had someone ask to if I wanted to join a campaign before and it was a fan member in Bless Their Souls. They were like, OK, well, if you want to play like here's the book. And I remember just like the color draining from my face and just being like, no, nope. I need to read this book to play like because, you know, they're pretty and big, comprehend it. Right. Too, I apparently. Like, I, uh, and they're like, well, pick your race. And I'm just like, I don't. <laughs> There's so many choices. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and yeah. at the time, it was one of the older versions. I remember I was like, well. I want to be a dark elf. And they were like, you can't be a dark elf because then you can't go into certain areas. And I was like, okay, it's so hard. <laughs> so How I was do like, I choose? Oh, right? I was like, yeah. oh, I didn't know there. So can you tell me which ones I can't be before I go back and go through it? So there's a lot to yeah. learn through, but it's fun that you, when I, I feel encouraged and I hope other people can feel encouraged that you can literally just be like, if you want to make up a character and play pretend with your friends, then this is a game that you can play. And it's yeah. fine. Um, that's all you yeah. have to want to do. <laughs> I always make the, I, mean, I haven't done this in a while, but it, the way you're talking about it is like nobody is taught or how to do the the rules and how to play basketball by reading the manual of <laughs> rules of basketball. Like no one's like, here, you can't start playing until you read this entire book. <laughs> it never really is like that, right? You learn, you learn by playing, you learn by doing, by asking questions, by watching uh, a commentary on uh, you know ESPN yeah. or whatever, and that's similar to what you did, where you were like, "Oh, I listen to these podcasts. I learned a lot from there. I got you know a, a, a sense of it." And then if you have ever you know been around kids who are coached playing basketball or soccer, like they get it wrong. They don't know what's happening in every moment or what a corner kick is or what's a goal kick. Or I still don't really understand what uh, um, offsides is in soccer. <laughs> that's okay. I can still watch it and play it and have fun with it and. You know, again, you just kind of learn by by uh, you know a, a bunch of different sources uh, on how to learn sports, and that's what's what's happening with D and D right now. Yeah, that's very cool. So, do you have uh, an idea of the type of character you're going to play in this in this podcast? I don't know. So, for the one shot that I did with my friend, we did a couple episodes, and I was a ranger. Mm. Um, I actually, in all RPGs, tend to gravitate towards any character that uses a bow and arrow, mm. and that was that's just born from my my cowardice. To be honest, when I first started playing <laughs> RPGs, I was like, "How far away can I be while still injuring?" Oh, <laughs> you're talking to a wizard over here, so <laughs> for that reason, yep, yep, right. So I'm like, I usually pick up. I'm like, which one of these things uses a bow? <laughs> like, can I have that? But also, after listening to a few of the podcasts, I've been really intrigued. It's it's fun because like there are like there are um, ups and downs to each character, and really depends on like your own personal likes and affinities. Because like there's one character that is a tank, so they have so much life and they can take so many hits, and they're they're they have a lot of plus ones and plus twos. So when they roll, their rolls are always higher, and that's really really nice. But then like you have mage characters where they are a lot more squishy, but when they do get a chance to cast off a spell, it's super interesting and super fun. Like what they get to do, you're like, you get to do what? You're going to do what? 
Yeah. See? You're going to change reality with a spell? Right? That's amazing. <laughs> like, what do you do? Uh, well, I just leave this plane of existence and go to another <laughs> plane of existence. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, excuse me? But then, like, also, if I take, like, three really good hits, they're down. So I'm like, I'm not really sure what I want to do this time. Um so I have to go through and look at it because honestly, it all sounds really fun. Mm -hmm. I think the only characters I tend to shy away from are healer characters. <laughs> um, Me too. Because I just don't have a sense of responsibility to anybody but myself. Okay, <laughs> thank you for saying that. I feel the same way. And oftentimes people will just be like, God, Shelly. <laughs> like, I'm just being honest. I, this is my fantasy, right? Like D&D is a fantasy. Okay, it's my escape. I don't want to be responsible for anyone. Like I'm a mom, okay? Just let me just Same. go out there and just cast some fireballs and worry about myself. Right? I'm like, I'm the, I'm the exact same way. I'm the same way when I play like uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV. I'm like, see though, like you'd all need healing. I would, I swear I would never notice. I would like I would never notice and you would all die. I'm so sorry. Like I know what I'm supposed to do, but I also know like how I am truly deep down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <so>. <laughs> it's about knowing yourself. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason yeah. why I am not anyone's person to call in case of emergency. Mm -hmm. But one day I won't answer. I don't even hear the ringer is always off. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Uh, text me if you need me. <laughs> you two should not be healers. Uh, no, in, in no I, and I, I own that. So thank you. I feel very, very validated right now. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but I would, maybe I'll do a magic character. I will say that as an, a relatively new player, and as far as like campaigns go, I've always done like more of a, um, like a support characters in terms of like archers and things like that. But, uh, I'm a little intimidated by like the amount of spells that magic based characters use, but I also like think I could do it. I think I could. I do think it. you could do it. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, you pick and choose the ones that like. Oh, my character's really uh, gonna know these spells and do it. And, and then maybe uh, sorcerer is a good. I was thinking sorcerer uh, class just because they only have a little, a small number of spells, and they just do them really powerfully. I'll, con I'll consider that one because yeah. like, I, I do need an excuse to cosplay a sorcerer. I have several large staffs that need to be utilized for cosplay. Done and done. I so. mean, <laughs> so do you think even though this is audio only, will you cosplay your character just to get into the, the feeling of that character? So maybe not when we're actually like doing the podcast, but like any opportunity that I have to be like, this is my character. Mm -hmm. Yes. Also because I love when fan, um, fan artists draw stuff and... I just love any any excuse to get into a good outfit. And yeah. I'll probably be some kind of elf because I also feel like I should have pointy ears. I don't naturally, but it feels very natural when I have it on. So I'm like, they're going to have pointy ears. They're like, whatever it's going to be. Um, maybe some different colored eyes. I'm like really into like the visual side of D&D, &D, which is funny. Yes. Fall, like, in your head, But I'm just like, how do I want them to look? And then what do I need to make them to match that aesthetic that I'm going for? That's cool. I, so yeah, I, I was going to so. ask you, like, I, I'm not as visual of a player, um, but I'm wondering, the only times I've done anything like that is where I brought, I have a few, a few uh, I was a sorcerer who used wands, and I brought wands to the table, and I was sometimes just be like, oh, I do this, and I, you know, kind of point it when I'm, <laughs> when I'm uh, uh, doing battle or casting spells or something like that. But beyond that, I don't really do, uh, you know, costumes or, 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 or things like that. And I was wondering if there is a way for people to get into that 
uh, without doing the full outfit uh, type of thing, but do elements or, you know, if you have any advice for how to how to create that visual character if someone doesn't lean towards those, uh, you know, kind of ways of playing on their own. For sure. I mean, if you didn't want to put on the full costume, like I'd highly recommend, like you said, even like just like picking out like the weapon, assuming it's like a safe one to swing around at the table. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a character's like, I use a mace and I'm going to bring that. It's like, okay, no. let's calm down. <laughs> but like also like if you have um, like a race that your character is, like I would probably have the habit of like, I have like several pairs of ears that you can literally just like slide on the top of mm. your ears and you don't have to glue them on. You can do that. I know some people that will just pop on a wig, mm. like just the color wig of the character so that they can kind of like get into that moment. Um, and then also like because D&D is like kind of infinite in terms of like what world that you can visit. Like your outfit doesn't have to be like super fantasy inspired. Like you can have like a specific outfit that you wear for D and D that just <laughs> reminds you of your character, even if it's like PJs straight up because like maybe it's like super comfortable. Yeah. Like um, another easy one for people, um, depending on the person, would be like just popping in contacts um, as a oh. cosplayer. I can put on an entire outfit, like wig and makeup and outfit, and I still don't feel like I'm in cosplay until I wear my contacts. Oh, and really? It's almost like I've talked about it before. I'm like it's almost like your eyes are like the windows to your soul. So mm. like once your eye color changes, then you feel like you're a different person. Wow. Until then, I feel like I'm myself in a costume, and then my eye color changes. I'm like, no, I am this person now. So I always uh, will wear contacts, and if I do like a really casual cosplay, the contacts are usually something that I still will go for, even if I do like nothing else. Um, also, because a lot of characters, technically, like if you like dive into the world, can change clothes. <laughs> so, like if you just have like <laughs> your your wig and your contacts, <laughs> and then whatever outfit you feel like wearing that day, you can still be that character just in different clothes. Yeah, right. Imagine so that. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it from a lot of characters because they wear the same outfit all the time. But like technically, they can. That's a. <laughs> You know, we don't really think about that very often. <laughs> no, you don't. Right? But like, yeah, there's not one specific outfit that someone's wearing the entire existence of their lives because, you know, it, it would start to smell after a while, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I imagine like adventuring is sweaty work. Right? So. Mm -hmm. You get covered in demon goo all the time. Like there would be, yeah, or, you know, the, the from slicing off the head of the dragon, you get there. Like, yeah, right. You'd have to change your clothes. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Uh, that's I, good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> I just, I'm, I know I've told this story before, but it's bringing me back to like my one attempt to try to like be like in character. And it was at Gary Con, Greg, yes, and I was playing a tabaxi and there was a face painter. I'm like, I'm like off to a game that's going to be live streamed. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm playing with like real, like, like very theatrical experienced role players and like they're gonna bring their a game so i asked the face painter to like make me like <laughs> tabaxi and i emerged with like this little like kitty kitty cat face that you would like <laughs> if you were four and at the zoo like you would have been <laughs> I was, like, and there was no time <laughs> so to wipe just, it off even no i just rolled into that game <laughs> Like, like, I mean, like, full face of, like, kitty cat makeup. Like, it wasn't just, like, oh, they put some whiskers across my nose. I mean, like, my whole face, and I just looked like, 
meow, like a little like house cat. Like you were coming out of the, out of the Broadway play Cats. Yes, very much. But like Cats, but more if it was like child's birthday party version. <laughs> Wow. I mean, no, no knock on the, the face painter. She was very talented. I, I was not clear that I was like a you badass are. cat. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had had contacts in, uh, maybe that would have changed, changed everything. It literally would have changed everything. <laughs> so that's a good note. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I was going to add face painting can help as well, but you, you know. Um, yeah, just be maybe clear. do like a a trial run most of the time to make sure that before you go. <laughs> but also just makeup, you know, like it doesn't have to be full cat makeup. But you know, I think you're right. Like having accentuate uh, yes you know, accents, cat, cat like features, mm-hmm. maybe. or you could do a scar on your face if your character is like a cool. Oh like, yeah axe-wielding character to be like maybe there's a reason that they have a scar and like when yes. you have a scar you're that person now instant so. backstory mm-hmm. too so that is cool uh yeah all right so that's so okay still some exploration to do there i like i like it i i wouldn't be able to do their contacts though i have such an eye thing i don't think being i mean i don't wear contacts so i, I might have gotten used to it if i was wearing contacts but like that whole idea of touching your you can't eyeball, put your finger in your eye can't do it you get used to it. When I first started doing it, it would take me like an hour to put contacts in because I would just be like, no, I can't touch it. It's so scary. Like, they'd be like, is it hard to get in? I'm like, it's mostly just hard to like jazz yourself up to put your fingers that close to your face yeah. um, when you know they're going in your eyes. But now I can literally like, I've done it on camera while streaming and people are like, can you not? And I'm like, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just Content warning. Oh, my. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, Greg, you, do you have 2020 vision? I do. Like that, that's what's more shot. Really? Yeah. Uh, what's that like? I know. Sorry. <laughs> How? Like your eye, you can just see? You just I, open your eyes from sleep and you can see? Everything? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can't. I don't I know. know. I'm, I'm, my, my wife is setting up a, a computer for her new job and she was like hunched over, like leaning this close to the screen. I was like, you know, you can... Change the font size, and she's like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> oh, and maybe like, your prescription. While you're yeah, I, mean, I can read this just fine, uh, but yeah, no, I, it is. Yeah, I have I have lots of shortcomings in many other ways. Don't worry, <laughs> but eyes. I <laughs> but twenty twenty yeah. vision. Yeah, yeah, that's impressive. But, and this all reminds me of when we were talking to like Ember Moon, um, uh, 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 Adrian Palmer, how she was putting her contacts in for her character uh, when she was uh, with the WWE. And it was just like, yeah, that was the thing that solidified the entire outfit, character, everything was was red eye contacts. Uh, and uh, I love that. I love that idea because it does. It feels so different mm-hmm. when you're looking at people who have, uh, have eye things. Um, at my bachelor, this is totally random aside, but at my bachelor party, I, I was talking to this friend of a friend he wasn't you know he kind of just came to uh the event who was more of my brother's friends and i kept on looking at these pictures being like why does this guy look so different than how i remembered him growing up you know it's not like that and then like oh yeah he's wearing cat eyes in his context i was like oh my god (laughs) i just didn't notice i just thought i was like something's weird about this guy i i I haven't seen him for a few years maybe that he's grown or you know he's changed or something like that but no he (laughs) had cat cat eye contacts in the entire time feline eyes (laughs) that's what i needed yeah kind of made my whole outfit really you didn't notice he had cat eyes in i mean there was a lot going on (laughs) 
Hey, Gregory, open bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, figure it out all afterwards. Amazing. I could like see that turn into a scenario in like a D and D game where you're just like, "Were you talking to that orc guy over there? Was he an orc?" (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice. Kind of big. I I was like thinking that, you know, you're a little bit different than the rest of the guys in here. (laughs) But I couldn't quite figure, you know, that's that's what it was. uh, Yeah. Oh, you're a teethling. Oh, Oh, weird. I barely noticed. Nope. Nope. Thought maybe you just got some new glasses. (laughs) Did you cut bangs or something so different? Roll, roll a insight check on that guy. <laughs> I I like to play tieflings, and and I've always imagined what it would feel like. I should probably just do it. Get some horns, put them on my head. Like, is it does it is it heavy? Is it cumbersome? And like to have that big tail behind you. Try it. I have a set of horns and a tail for uh, an Alra character from fourteen, and it just completely it's fun. Also, like I will say. You would, it would help you role play the fact yeah. that like I'm pretty sure you would be like shaking your hips all the time because if you had a tail <laughs> to shake my tail, it's just it's fun. Like it would change the way you just like stood idly. Your, your idle position would totally be different. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a visual things? podcast because all three of us were doing the like oh, yeah, shaking our tail. Shake it. <laughs> Does a tiefling's tail move of its own, like a dog's tail, like? Would it curl up if you were nervous and scared? Would it wag if you saw somebody you were excited about? You should ask the listeners at home that. What do, you, what do y'all think? Because I think it would. I mean, I think anybody or any like race that has a tail, that their emotions can control their tail just like a dog or a cat or yeah. like anything. But it's funny when you think of it in like a bipedal form. You're like, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't see why not. It feels like it'd be a defective tail if you couldn't control it, but... Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, but then you get uh, players who'd be like, well, I'm going to use my tail to pick up this sword and then s- swing it, and mm. I get an extra attack, right, from my tail? <laughs> I have three Man. hands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Zephod Beeblebrox. Oh, uh, no. All right, so you've been talking a lot about Final Fantasy. Uh, I am not as versed in uh, kind of the later, um, you know, in- incarnations, but I played a lot of the first one, and Final Fantasy Tactics was one of my favorite um, you know, first Sony PlayStation games. Um, and uh, what I love about Final Fantasy, though, is that it kind of reinvents itself with each game, right? There's, like, new stuff, but there's some things that are consistent. And that always reminds me of um, different people's D&D campaigns, right? Like, every D&D campaign is different, uh, whether, you're, you know, you sit in the Forgotten Realms or Eberron or in, or in the DM's, like, home kind of world. But there are elements that say consistent. So I always thought that Final Fantasy was, like, the most D&D-like of video game series for that reason. I can totally see that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because like every people are like, well, which one's your favorite? And I go back and forth a lot because I'm like, they're all so different. Well, at the same time, having like certain elements of them that like make them very recognizably a Final Fantasy game, right? So like with all the different D&D campaigns and like the different versions, like the rules are generally the same, but like everything else is just up in the air of what they decided to do. Um, I would just say like Final Fantasy, like you always have like a chocobo. The storytelling is always really central to that. And then you always have like a protagonist who's like one, arguably one of the least interesting compared to all of the side characters. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> which we all love to poke fun at. We're just like, so like, why are we here? Why, why is, is this guy here in the story? Why are we these other people? And they're so cool. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but that's just fun shade. Yeah, I've been, um, I started playing 14 uh, last year. Last year. Last year. Yeah. Wow. 2021. Um, and then after and that. And that's, the, M- that's the MMO version. That's right? the MMO. Right. Yeah. Which was a weird one to start with. Um, but I had gotten to this place with games where like I really love the story and the fantasy. And I was getting irritated because I was playing games that I loved and then they would end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not ready for to like leave this world in this environment. Like I'm invested. And they're like, well, the story's over now. You can play it, but you'll just play the same story. And I'm like, I don't like that. <laughs> I want to continue for forever. And they're like, you should play an MMO. And Final Fantasy was known to be more of like an RPG, like story based rather than just like online play. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll try it. And I fell in love with it. It makes me cry. It's gut wrenching, stabs me in the heart. I love it. And after I finally caught up with that, after several over a thousand hours of play, it took a whole year to catch up to like from like when it was originally um, opened to like the most recent expansion. I was like, there's a lot of references to the older games in that one, and I'd never played any of them. So I just started embarking on a journey, I guess, of playing the older ones, just to see like what all of those references were, all of like the standalones. And the standalone ones are each shoot forty to hundred hours on their own. Yeah. Um. So they're bitty, they're hefty, hefty RPGs. Um. It's an absolute blast. The storytelling is great. It's great for cosplay inspiration. Most of my cosplays come from Final Fantasy. And then like original D&D characters and then some anime here and there. So it's it's a blast. I'm really excited for all of the new ones that are coming out. So, so you, yeah. you started with, you know, the, first, the, the, the one that was on the NES uh, and have been I, working your way through or, or how have you been doing it? I've actually been doing it at random. Oh. Um, and letting my chat vote. So I actually went from 14 to 7 Remake, which was the newest the newest one um, that they had made. So it's a, a remake of the original seven. And that was purely because uh, graph- it was a graphical choice. Um, I actually didn't really start playing video games until 2017. Mm. So I don't have a lot of nostalgia attached to video games. So I'm used, I'm, I'm pretty spoiled on graphics. So I was like seven remake has really nice graphics. It's a really beautiful game. Let's play that. And so I did that first. And then after that chat was like, well, if it's next, like down from graphics, but still the story is 10. So we tried 10, but we did 15 for a bit, but 15 was hard for me to get into. Mm. And then as I started to getting down to 10, it was like the graphics are pretty old. It was from the early 2000s, um, but still like decent. And then after that, it was like, well, I really just enjoying the story and how the devs like tell their stories. So now I can try anything. So we did nine. Uh, we're doing 12 now, which apparently is the longest final standalone Final Fantasy title in terms of record. It's really long. I think I'm about 70 hours in and I... St- Still, I'm not sure if I'm halfway through. Oh. Um, a lot to accomplish. It's a lot. It's a big game for not being an MMO. So, um, yeah, Chat's just been voting on what they think is next. And it's interesting to see kind of how things differ. Some of the games are very universally beloved. And some of them are very, like, split. Um, a lot of people really, really love 12. But a lot of people complained when 12 won because a lot of people don't like it. Um, it's very different from the other versions of the games. So. Yeah, and 12 is the one that has like two or three standalones set in the same thing, right? And then they're like 12-1 and 12-2. It does. 
Um, not that one. So there's 10 and 10 too. That's the one I'm saying. 12, I think, is the world of Ivalice, which I think is the same world in Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh. Um, and so a lot of people, let, there's a few, I think there's a few Final Fantasies. Fandom, don't come for me for not knowing this. I'm so new. <laughs> that have that same like world. Mm. Um, and Tactics is one of them. And then 12, 10 and 10 2 were one, but I haven't played 10 2 yet because that's another one where people are, some people are like, I love 10 2. And some people are like, 10 2 is the most trash Final Fantasy. <laughs> 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 okay, but I'm gonna try it because why not? You know. Yeah. Well, you have one opinion, opinion on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so what? How how do you take away uh, the? Because the original creators, I think, of the first Final Fantasy, they drew a lot from Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, like with you know, there's there's enemies in there that are like beholders. There's ones in there that are like uh, other types of things that you're like, oh yeah, I can see the roots of it. And then the later ones, I think, go farther away. Right? It's not. It's you know, they they like you know, they're almost inspired by you know, Final Fantasy 2, 3, and 4 rather than uh, uh, Dungeons & Dragons like the first Final Fantasy was. So where are you? Are you seeing any of those similarities and are you using that and thinking about how you're going to create D&D characters? Like, how can you relate with how, uh, uh, you know, computer RPGs, which are very linear and you're only doing one thing, but then like, oh, I can take some of these elements and use them for for characters that I can play D&D with later on. See, it's funny that you say that because when I was first approached to play D&D a few years ago, I hadn't really gotten into... Um, as many RPGs, I'd only played like a little bit of Breath of the Wild and like Persona 5. And mm-hmm. in that way, D&D was especially overwhelming for me because I didn't have any like gaming experience. But after um, playing a lot of RPGs, and I mean like thousands of hours of RPGs <laughs> at this point, it I started to, I didn't even realize that the crossover was happening. And it might, for some people, they might be like, they're totally different. But from a non-gamer's perspective, they actually are quite similar in that I learned like when I first started 14, I picked the archer class because they had a bow. I had no idea what that meant in the scheme in terms of like being a support character, being a healer, being a tank, right? I didn't know what those things were and what that meant, like what your role within a group was. Mm. I'd only ever played like individual games where your role is stabby, stab, stab. <laughs> Anyone who comes towards you, right? When so the battle like, music starts, you just got to stab. They're like yeah. people are like, oh, why did you want, why did you choose, you know, like the um the range, the AoE range character? And I'm like, Eros. <laughs> like, <so. laughs> I really like Eros. Right? I'm like, I didn't know. But like now, like I'm like, okay, so now when I hear like this kind of so before where DD was like, what class do you pick? And it would have been more of an up in the air, just that sounds cool. Now it's like, well, what kind of role do I want to play in the group? Yeah. Um, as an automatic thought that I have when choosing a character to play for D&D where that wasn't something that I even thought about before or like inventory and like spells versus um, um, or like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when's, uh, buffs and mm. debuffs and like um, whether you're supporting your characters or encumbering an enemy, like just various things like that that happen in RPGs that also happen in D&D, which would have been completely new terminology for me, new concepts in their entirety. Um, now all of that makes sense. Like from a gaming perspective with d and I'm not worried about how I'm going to do that because all of that is like basic knowledge for me now, which is crazy because it used to not be. Right. Um, and for a lot of people, it already is. So like they wouldn't even think like, I remember playing like a, an RPG with my fiance at one point and I was like, I'm moving so slow. Like, how are you moving so fast? He's like, oh, you're encumbered. I'm like, I'm what? What is that? What are you? What? And he's like, 
your inventory has too much stuff in it. And I was like, how am I supposed to know that? Because <laughs> you're walking slow. slow. <laughs> He's like, well, because you're walking slow. And I'm like, well, the game didn't tell me that if it, if it let me put all of this stuff in here, shouldn't have given me a warning that it was going to be too heavy. He's like, it does. Because see your number down here, it shows that you're over like the record. And I'm like, the little number down there. <laughs> and he, I'm just like, he, like, for him, he's just like, yeah, like some games have that concept of being encumbered and you just have to like look out for it. And I'm like, but as a new player, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm putting stuff in this imaginary bag. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you mean there's a consequence to that? <laughs> like, So all of the stuff that a lot of people find especially if you've played games since childhood, just really common sense for a new person just is not common sense at all. But having played through the Final Fantasy games and like RPGs like that now are part of like my general sense of knowledge, which is, really, <laughs> which is a huge relief. And like now it's like, okay, I just need to learn a little bit more about how to like work with dice and then my specific spells. So it's more like learning the specific um, mechanics of this game rather than like the mechanics of gaming in general. So I really think it's really similar. Um, I almost feel like D&D is like an opportunity to just live play like an MMO like Final Fantasy because it just continues yeah. as long as your DM wants you to play, you know, Keep and going. with your friends and yeah. you just get the story as you go. And it's really fun. Like, I, I love that. That's one of the reasons that I'm really attracted to it. I'm just like, I want to do this, but I want to do it with like with face to face with people and like for real with my own character. And like you said, it doesn't have to end. You don't have no. to have that feeling of like, oh, we're getting to the end of the story. You know, it can go mm -hmm. on. And then, if, you know, if an arc ends, you just go on with the next one. Make a new one. There right? you go. Mm -hmm. it, it's funny how you're doing Just one final point, because then you can go on, Shelly. But I was thinking that it's similar. My, my friend and I have been playing a lot of board games lately. And I introduced him to kind of the concept of board games beyond, you know, Monopoly and Catan. And we were trying a lot of different things. And at first, it was very much the way you're describing he's like i don't he'd be like i don't understand why i have to draw cards why do i have to draw <laughs> cards every turn and then you know now he's the type of person who's like oh it's a deck building game but it's mashed up with uh, worker placement and you're like see you didn't have this vocabulary a year ago but now because we've played so many different ones that have you know dna or mechanics that are shared amongst them you know you got a frame of reference and it's so much easier to learn new games uh, or new board games because you have that like kind of basic knowledge around the components of them and how they work and the fun is seeing how a game designer takes you know theme and, and and character and color and and mechanics and mashes them together in new and interesting ways which yeah it's 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 kind of a cool parallel progression that you're that you're having with video games and D D. right it's it, it really makes the learning process a lot less stressful every time because like you don't feel like you're learning something completely new Every time you play, you just feel like you're like learning like a slightly modified version. You're like, oh, okay, this is kind of like this from this. Okay, I can do that. You know, like I can accept that. Prefer versus we're just like, I have no, no nothing to come yeah, off of. Starting this. from scratch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you you mentioned stories and like <clears throat> not wanting stories to end or like fully like you know being immersed in the stories and like that's what D and D is. It's a storytelling game. But, like, what's your advice for how to, like, really dig into story in your with your group? And, like, are there tactics that you employ, like, either with, like, backstory or how you engage with other characters or work with the dungeon master to really tell these immersive, in-depth stories? 
or does it just come naturally? Um, maybe a little bit of maybe a little bit of both. Um, one of the things I like to do, and I know not everyone likes to do this, so like it's not something that you have to do if you don't want to. But I really like doing voices. <laughs> um, I think it's a lot more immersive when yeah. when you do voices for characters, and I understand that it can feel kind of awkward. Or even embarrassing at first, especially if you haven't quite like nailed down what you want to do. And it's funny because as I'm thinking of doing this podcast with my friends, I've been thinking like, well, what kind of voice do I want to give a character? And it's interesting because we've learned like certain sounds of voices and even dialects or accents will give us an impression uh, of a character's personality based on how they sound. Right. So I remember thinking like, oh, this is a voice I'm really good at doing. But if I choose that, then I don't know if it'll really be taken seriously if we have any serious moments. I'm like trying to think of stuff like that because <laughs> I have a really good voice for like kind of like a, a younger character, but I'm like, yeah, I, um, I would assume that she's like younger in appearance, but not necessarily younger. I like playing characters like that, but I wouldn't want her to like not be seen as like a serious character in serious moments. So I was like, hmm, stuff like that is something that I really want to consider. And I really encourage people to do voices because especially when the, the medium is like through podcasting yeah, and they can only listen um, except and because you will be taking breaks and asking questions and things like that, separating like this is what's happening in the world. And then this is the people controlling the characters by doing voices really creates that kind of separation. And I really enjoy when I hear podcasters do that. It's not a requirement at all. Like some people just use their regular voice, but then like, that your voice is the character's voice. And like, that's what I associate um, with that character, which is also cool. Cause if you ever get to meet that person, like a con or something, you're just like, it's like I'm seeing the character. Yeah. In front of my face. <laughs> Cause you sound, <laughs> you sound the same as them. Cause it is you. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Mind blown. I find that yeah. particularly interesting for DMs because one of my favorite podcasts, when the DM does all of these different voices, I have to remind myself that all of these characters are played by one person. And it like blows my mind. Yeah. like Because I think of them as individual people. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, that's actually the DM just like playing all of them. That's amazing. Also, kudos to any DMs who can carry the same voice across campaigns. And remember, like, and remember the voice to which character. To character. It's mind-blowing kudos yeah. to you they're like what was the voice and i'm like i don't remember <laughs> like, right but then you use it and i'm like it was that that's characters <laughs> and it's crazy because like sometimes there'll be moments where they'll just be like and then you turn and you look and and then there's a figure in the doorway and who is it and then they talk in the voice and you're like i know who that is because it's the voice of that character um so i really think doing voices is a fun way to keep people engaged like even if you can't do it like well like, it doesn't have to be, I feel like a lot of people default to doing accents or dialects. Right. Um, and, like, even if you can't do the dialect, like, super well, like, if it's just, like, you and your friends playing, like, who cares? Like, just go for it. Um, if you fade in and out of it, like, who cares? It's still really fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm not a voice actor by any means, but whenever I try to embody characters, you know, you're like, oh, the person of authority, they're going to talk like this with a deeper voice. And if it's someone who's a, a gnome or a halfling or something like that, well, then you maybe do a little bit higher. And it doesn't have to be like expert, as you're saying. It just, the, the, the both body language, if you're doing it in person, as well as the change in timbre in, your, in the voice is sometimes all that's necessary. Um, especially like, as you were saying, on, on the introduction, you don't necessarily even need to keep it consistent through the entire scene. Yeah. Because I can't do 
That's, I don't have that superpower of being able to be like, oh, yeah, that, that voice from, you know, six months ago in session five. Let me just pull up, you know, the, <laughs> the exact timber of what that voice was like. I don't know, but I can be like, okay, this, this character was a little bit high-pitched in the way they were, way they were talking, and I'll do a falsetto for a couple of lines and then kind of go back into, you know, normal Greg voice. It's all about, like, setting yeah. the scene. To a, a little flavor. Extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I also feel like the players, like at least I really appreciate like the effort, like to like get everyone into it. It's like, well, I don't know. For me, it's like going to karaoke with friends and like everyone's just like, yeah, get up there and sing. And we're all going to clap and we're all going to enjoy. And we're all just rather than the person being like, I'm not singing. And you're like, oh, come on. Come on. Right? <laughs> yeah. singing, like even if you're not good at it, we still are having fun, right? Get a so, crowd like, pleaser up there. Just- <laughs> Do some piano. Do some Neil Diamond. Right? <laughs> we can all sing along. Try with your hand you. down there you voice, go. even if it's for a little bit. Like all the players will be like, yay. Because <laughs> we all supportive. we all want to pretend, you know, we want to be immersed in the world. So I'm not going to be like, mm. see, I see what you were trying to do there. <laughs> I'm gonna give but, you some notes. <laughs> but like yeah. I, it's not really selling it for me. Like I don't really see the <laughs> A little wobbly. <laughs> I'm gonna have you try that again. From the top. (laughs) Right. And go. And then I'll tell you if I really hear tavern from you. Okay. (laughs) I've been in some karaoke situations that people are like that, but in in most of the cases, people just want to have a good time, which is what D&D is all about. Which is what D&D does. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, Amazing. Well, this sounds so exciting. I can't wait for this podcast uh, that you're talking about uh, coming together. Obviously, you've got a lot going on right now in dealing with getting this wedding celebration together. And as we said, it went wonderfully. So kudos to you. Well done. (laughs) Yay! Everybody had a great time. Everyone watching at home uh, is... There was that one embarrassing moment where someone fell into the pool. But after that, it was everybody laughed and it was great. That's what my divination says. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so how can people find out about uh, your streams, uh, the, this D&D podcast you're putting together, anything about uh, what Jahara is doing? Well, you can find me at Jahara Jade, so J-A-H-A-R-A-J-A-Y-D-E on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, and on Twitch if you want to come talk with me live. I I love Instagram and TikTok, but if you want to like actually talk to me, like come to my stream or follow me on Twitter because I'm addicted to Twitter. I'm always on there updating people on what I'm doing and like cosplays and stuff. And then like my stream is like my home. We literally just like chat all the time. Just live. We play games, but like it's it's like a half just chatting stream of us just talking about things that we're doing and like how everyone's going and everyone remembers everyone. It's fun time. If you need Aww. some place to go like after work, welcome in. Awesome. that. Well, that's exciting. What a great uh, conversation. And now I want to go hang out with you all the time on the streams. I know. Super fun. This was great. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. What a wonderful person. I'm so excited for uh, her journey to continue both in uh, matrimony as well as in Dungeons & Dragons and Final Fantasy. And definitely follow her socials because her uh, cosplay is incredible. It is incredible. It's I quite gorgeous. Love seeing all of the weapons that she has in her room, not to mention yes. uh, the the costumes themselves. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm um, a sucker for props. I got to be honest, though. There's one thing we didn't cover. Well, how? What do you mean that room doesn't have a door? <laughs> <laughs> It's just the doorway. 
Not a, like a closable <laughs> door? <laughs> I didn't go there at all. I get it. All right. Like oh, there's no you thought nothing she just on a teleported hinge. into it. <laughs> I thought she was going to elaborate. Like it's a trap door, or like I have to climb in through the window, and we don't oh. let our child. Like, do you remember that no door? Do you remember that scene in Gleaming the Cube where the kids got like his room is in a manhole cover and his driveway, and he like goes into his his hangout and like in underneath the house. I no. I've always wanted something like that, so maybe that's what... I thought that's maybe what, that's what she was implying. There's no cool. door. Okay, I get it. I get it now. I want, did anyone else come to that conclusion with me? Please tell me you did. No? All right. Message message, Shelley. Uh, not about, you know, welcome to Dragon Talk or any no. of the other things. Just, did, did you, you wonder think? about the door? How do you get it? Like, if I said that to her, she'd be like, oh, my God, that's really fun. I haven't heard that before. I'd be like, no, I'm serious. No, I'm serious. How did you get in there? Uh, are you an ooze like me and you can just slide under? <laughs> Jelly goo strikes again. Jelly goo doesn't need a door. Well, anyway. I, think, I think we figured out. I mean, that's why you're uh, always the character leading investigations uh, in Dungeons and Dragons, right? Right. Now you know. Now you know why I'm not your cleric or your talker. <laughs> just so, I like to just sit in the back and go... No door, huh? <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> I'm going to shoot it with my spell. <laughs> and my arrows. Uh, so good. good time. Well, uh, we gave you a lot of information about Welcome to Dragon Talk uh, in the opening, but it is available for pre-order right now. You can get it from the University of Iowa Press website. Search for Welcome to Dragon Talk. You'll be able to find it in many online booksellers, but we encourage you to go to your local bookseller and pre-order it there. We're told if you pre-order it now-ish, you might get it a month or so before its official release date, which is December 5th. Amazing. We're excited um, to uh, to have people read our love letter to the D&D community. I mean, that's really what this book is all about. I, um, I'm i excited. I did pre-order it. <laughs> just pre-ordered wanted to. your own book. Mm-hmm. I love so it. So I just want to see it. I just want to like get that in the mail and just be like, our book baby has arrived. It's for reals now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so great. Um, if you want to get in touch with any of us about helping to promote Welcome to Dragon Talk, I am at Greg, uh, Greg Tito on Twitter and Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. And what about you, Jelly Goo? I am at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with Jelly Goo, you can get in touch with her there as well. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Find out everything you want to find out about Dungeons and Dragons at D&D Beyond. And in the meantime, we have a little bit of discovery going on here with Drunky Two Shoes. Oh, yeah. Last time you met a person in the Radiant Citadel. Uh, her uh-huh. name was Shola. And uh, she was a older appearing woman. Um, and she had a brief conversation with you, uh, which ended uh, with you ho- her holding on to your shoulders and saying, well, weirdness that you're uh, experiencing, I'm paraphrasing, welcome to the Radiant Citadel. That's what it's all about. It's really beautiful. Come, let me show you something. Uh, oh. And she she takes, uh, or, you know, she tries to take your hand and, you know, just to, to, to follow yeah, your paw. I gently... Retract my claws and place my paw in her hand. Oh, excellent. Mm, you have uh, very lovely uh, colored fur. 
Thank you. Come, I want to show you the pride and joy of our community. Okay. And so, again, you were in a hallway uh, that was carved out of the auroral diamond, uh, she tells you, uh, that is in the center of this settlement in uh, a plane of existence you're not really sure uh, about. Uh, but it is these, you know, kind of uh, officials and dignitaries on the... On the um, uh, adjoining rooms as you're walking down this hallway uh, and then you make a turn and you enter into a large circular chamber. Um, it's about, you know, almost 500 feet across. It's huge and it's full of lush vegetation. Uh, in the center of it, there is, looks like there is a gathering place. There's lots of uh, figures and creatures uh, there in that gathering place uh, communicating with each other. Uh, but you're struck by the amount of... Uh, you know, trees and plants and ferns, green uh, flower, you know, multicolored flowers, yellow, orange, red, purple, growing and everywhere. When there's a clearing, you see these creatures uh, frolicking and jumping around in this area. And as you look a little bit closer, you realize these creatures are, uh, consist of jewels. Uh, jewels that seem to be joined together almost in animal-like forms. You see a panther, uh, you see a, uh, a, a, a scorpion uh, made out of uh, oh my amber. God. What? You see actually flying by, you see a, uh, a uh, what looks like the shape of a large bird uh, out of you know dark black stone uh, flying by and then lighting on a tree near you uh, and uh, squawking down in your... <laughs> Um, and uh, Shola just kind of allows you to take in all of this uh, amazing beauty around you. What is this? This is the place where everything is decided here in the Radiant Citadel. It is the preserve of the ancestors. Many years ago, civilizations came together to forge this community as a hub between their various locations on the material plane and uh it was lost we couldn't find it for many many years uh until myself and a few other stalwart adventurers uh a few hundred years ago rediscovered it uh and since then we have been populating it with the uh, amazing peoples you've seen in this city so far as well as the spirits of these civilizations who take the form of these animals you see before you how do they choose what form to go into oh that is a very good question they uh we do not know they they choose this form for them uh and some they're smaller ones uh you some of the smaller creatures here are only one or two crystals they might be squirrels or chipmunks or smaller creatures uh maybe even insects um but the larger ones are embodiments of entire civilizations and it is them who choose the speakers of uh, this city. And they rule. The, spe the speakers are the ones who decide uh, who is able to enter and leave, uh, as well as, um, uh, you know, the, any, if there's any disputes between civilizations, we debate and find a solution about them together. So somebody had to approve me arriving here? Funny you should say that. That's one of the reasons why I'm bringing you, because you did not follow the protocols of 
uh, emigration to the Radiant Citadel, and I do not know why. Look, Lady uh, uh, Watershed. What? Shola. No, nope. There was some lady uh, in Waterdeep where I came from. Lady or Mrs. or Princess. I can't remember. I have a very bad memory. Anyway, she sent me here to find my brother. She thought that she just got a a, a vision that he was somewhere around here, and, and I'm here in search of him. And I really don't know how I got here. She just sent me here, too. Interesting. Well, when you arrived, uh, you should have been able to pay the toll uh, to enter. But I do not believe you, in you telling me this, there is no mention of any type of um, contribution. Um, I d- believe that was waived for me. <laughs> By whom? Um, I had, I had a discount code. I picked it up. <laughs> I picked it up at Albertsons. <laughs> you free are extremely humorous. She laughs kind of freely. She's, <laughs> there's uh, no such thing. Okay. You caught me. There's no such thing as an Albertsons. That would be silly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not know who the son of Albert is, but uh, he has no authority here. Do you know who the son of Saucer of Milk is? Uh, yes, it is uh, someone I believe you are inquiring about. You know Saucer of Milk? I have heard the name, yes. That is my father. Mm, it is also the father of one Daryl Two Shoes. How do you know this? I what do. Is, is he here? He is not, unfortunately. I do not know where he is. But we is, will come to that uh, soon. In the meantime, I must uh, take you so that your presence here can be approved by the incarnate. What does that mean? We shall see. Come. Am I going to get in trouble? Most probably. Shola, you're come. not friends. You're not my friend. I am, of course, I'm your ally, but uh, we must follow the rules, must we not? I don't think we do. <laughs> we, well, well, then we may not be friends if you do not believe we should. Sola, I don't know how I got here. I understand. That will be rectified. Okay, Come. let's go. I'll go. Excellent. Yeah, let's do uh, this. And she starts walking kind of... Uh, uh, with purpose towards the center uh, where all of the um, figures and people you saw were. Cool. And we'll pick it up next time as you enter there. Can't trust anyone in this town. <laughs> Did you say that out loud? I said it to like one of the cool crystally chipmunks that wandered by. <laughs> <laughs> The crystally chipmunk just kind of looks at you and then it doesn't really have like a face, but its head kind of shakes back and forth at you for saying that. Oh, I thought it was agreeing with me. A drunky no, thinks... A shake is, is, a, like, is a disagreement. No. I was like, yeah, no, you can't. So I'm like, mm-hmm. high five, crystally chipmunk. I do like the, the look. I see you, but I don't. I know you can't see me because you don't really have eyes. You know what? I can't control it. I'm going to chase that chipmunk. Okay. 
All right, so the chipmunk just says, like, shakes its head and then kind of runs off, and then you're like, ah, and going after it. And Shilla says, wait, wait, no, no. Oh, and we'll it's it my up. instinct. That's that's a much better Sorry. cliffhanger. Well done, yeah. Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I forget I'm a cat. You are a cat. It's yeah. like it's like going after like a little feather toy. Yeah. Like I can't not. Ah, chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs>